hello and welcome to the Film Pulse podcast. This is episode number 456. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How's it going? Yeah, you know, got the batteries recharged. Yeah. Feeling good. Yes. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. How, was your, how was your vacation? Oh, my God, yeah. Relaxing? So many, so many dolphins. Oh, yeah. Nice. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about Saloom, which is a... An African Western horror, uh, with horror elements, I would say. This mm-hmm. is out now on Shutter. We're also going to be talking about some of what we've been watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be very helpful. A new episode of Saved by the 90s should be dropping very soon. We did part two of our Erie, Indiana retrospective, so... Stay tuned for that. I will um, make an announcement as to when that's going to be coming out. But uh, very soon. It's been recorded. It's like halfway through editing. We're, we're going to be ready soon with that. So I guess we can get into Saloon. Unless you want to talk about some, some, recent, uh, some, some recent news elements. Do you want to give your take on, on Disney's Little Mermaid live action? Are you as angry as I am that they made Ariel black? I'm not. I don't care. I don't care about the mermaid. You, the only thing that I like, I saw pictures, like some screenshots, and man, what happened to the uh, color? dude? Okay, why? But uh, like, why are we doing this? I was obviously joking about the being mad yes. thing because I could give two shits about any of that. Yeah. Um, it's insane, and the, and the, yeah, the, 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 the fact the fact that people are, I, I love the people who are trying to give the argument that it's like it 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 doesn't scientifically make sense that uh, she'd be dark skinned because there's no light at the bottom of the and it's like are you kidding me, dude? This is a mermaid we're talking about here. Shut the fuck up. Just be honest with everybody yeah. and say that you are racist because that's what that's what you and really also, mean yeah. when you say that. Yeah. Which is insane to be like that racist that you care like because a, a lot of them are you know like thirty to fifty years exactly men. like like you're gonna and see the just, movie anyway <sighs> like you have any like you have any inkling that you were gonna see this thing and by the way like that aside the movie looks like garbage like I I have bad. and again this has nothing to do with the casting whatsoever the movie looks bad at least from that trailer it looks very bad. You were when you said like where would they do with the color? That's absolutely correct. It, it was like they were trying to be scientifically accurate about sh- shooting a movie at the bottom of the sea. It's because it's so dark, you can't even see anything. Yeah, it's just bad. when you see it side by side with like the original animated. Oh my god, version, it's no comparison. You know? Yeah, there's just there's the animated version is vibrant and just like incredible color palettes and everything and then you see the the live action you're just like why 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 are you doing this I, I, just don't get it i i also think that the original the source material if i'm not mistaken ariel actually had like green skin and also like the whole story of little mermaid was about like hans christian anderson like uh it was it was like him writing about it was sort of a metaphor for being gay, I think. 
So I don't know why people are having such a issue about any of it. Well, I'd just like to point out that Hans Christian Andersen, if you want to know a fun fact about him, is that he masturbated a lot. Oh, okay. Like a lot, like to the point of hurting oh. himself over and over again. Yeah. Chronic masturbator. <laughs> yeah. And not just like, I mean, to, to the point of hurting yourself. He broke his dick, huh? <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just destroyed it. You know? just, just, just furiously <laughs> masturbating nonstop while writing about mermaids. Fucking that shit up, you know? So. If you want to like start arguments and stuff, just know that that's where you're. St- that's the starting point, you know. That historically speaking, you're talking about a guy that probably destroyed his dick more than any person in the history of the world. <laughs> hmm, that's kind of funny. It's a funny fact. It, it is, you know. It is funny to know that the guy responsible for you know how many fairy tales. Pick any time of the day probably beaten it which <laughs> mm. is a wonder that he was able to write things yeah it was just you know it, he would he would get you know he would he would bang out like a, a couple couple pages in between you know sessions while he was recharging oh. <laughs> it's wild oh god uh, with that i think we could talk about saloon also godard passed away yeah, yeah, well, yeah, assisted suicide. Is that what it was? I didn't, I didn't like know. Yeah, that's what it was. He was not sick, nothing. He was just exhausted, as he said. He was, he was done. So it's one of those things where, you're like, at first I was like, "Oh man, that's a bummer," and then when I read that, I'm just like, oh, "Okay, had to." Yeah, I mean, he was. He lived a, a very full life. He was. Yeah, I mean, come on. He now. was an old man. How old was he? He was in his eighties, right? No, he's ninety one. So yeah. I mean, yeah, he had it's a good a, run. That's a, yeah, that's a hell of a run. I mean, the dude's cinema. Yeah, for the most part. All right, well, rest in peace to the goat. Yeah, guitar. Easy, get some rest. All right, uh, let's talk about Saloon. I have a synopsis here. Two thousand three, a trio of mercenaries escaping a coup in Guinea-Bissau take refuge in a hidden region on the Saloum River of Senegal. But something from beyond the grave awaits them there. This is directed by Jean-Luc Herbulo. Now, I didn't really have too... I didn't really know too much about this. I had a, a little bit of knowledge. I, I watched part of the trailer at one point, and this played festivals last year. Um, but I didn't get a chance to catch up with it during those festivals. It played Fantastic Fest, and I think that it might have played Fantasia Fest last year also. I know that it was at, like, two different festivals that I attended. Um, but for whatever reason, it eluded me. I was interested in it, uh, but when it dropped on Shudder, I was I was pretty excited for this. Um, and I gotta say, was not let down. Uh, this was uh, This was pretty awesome. The... The visuals, the energy of this movie, loved it all. Loved the style. Uh, it's just oozing with, like, uh, just badassery. If that's a term that I could use. It is it's now. just a badass movie. 
it feels like mm-hmm. kind of um I don't know if I'd call it Tarantino esque, but there's little little shades of it in there. Especially on the outset, but it quickly becomes its own thing, I think. It does. But it definitely gets you hyped up in within the first couple but of it, minutes. But it does it does but, kind of follow uh almost a from dusk till dawn type of uh structure. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Where it begins as almost like a heist type of situation and then I don't know, halfway through it turns into this like supernatural thriller, which I didn't know. I didn't know that there was like a supernatural angle to it Me at either. all. I mean, I, yeah. I guess it makes sense that it's on shutter that it would have like but, Yeah. But but also like from time to time shutter just kind of puts on like interesting genre films on their on their service so it's i don't know um but anyway i liked the supernatural angle i thought it was it was cool and i liked the sort of concept of where it went and what the creatures were and all of that stuff it kind of fed into um like cur- like curses i don't know if mythology is the right word but like african folklore i guess yeah, like the folklore of the place and everything, the mysticism. Yeah, and just like the opening sequence of them, you know, kind of pointing out that revenge is it's not going to work out, you know, most of the time. And I, th- I do really enjoy just the structure of this, of where it starts out as just this, like, super stylized heist film, in a way. And then it becomes this, like, them hiding out in this remote region on the Saloon River and not trying to get found out that they can make their... And then, you know, the supernatural thing comes in. Like, it's it's a number of different mm. movies throughout. And I think it excelled at pretty much all of them. It's very intriguing. There's a lot of intrigue with this because the opening sequence is... it has it hooks you very early on. Like that whole opening sequence was incredible. Like you're like, who, who are these, these guys? They're like going into oh, this yeah. village, but like it it was during a coup. So like the whole village was full of dead people. And it looked like there were horrible atrocities that occurred there. And then they take this gold and then they're like working with a, uh, cartel guy and it's it, there's just like there's so much going on like right out of the gate and you're just like it just immediately hooks you and then they go to this the village that they go to like the little I don't even know if you call it a village it's almost like a little resort <laughs> in a way that has its own yeah. like backstory and stuff because when they get there it almost seems like it's a it almost seems like it has uh, a lot of its own history and stuff going on where it, it's like sort of a, an off the grid place for people to go and like lay low for a while. And, and, and like you can stay there for free, but you have a specific jobs that you'll have to do in order to stay there. So like that was kind of interesting too. And then layering on top of that, like you find out that, the the reason that they're at this little village was like not just sort of through necessity that it was planned out 
and and then and then once you, they get into like doing their jo- the the little jobs around the village, you find out more about the people staying there, and that that those people, some of those people, have ulterior motives, and that they're there for a reason. And then you they go to that other village, and the other village is when it starts to get kind of creepy because like everybody's gone, and they're like running around with their ears are like like scarred over like they 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 like uh mutilated their own ears and you're just like what what's going on with that so there's just there's a lot going on in this movie and i think that almost all of it works for me i was just i was glued to it the whole time i was yeah and especially it's such a great job in the the outset of this of setting up this this mercenary group this threesome uh the hyenas where like within i don't know two minutes two minutes of seeing these guys and i said i haven't seen their face you know they got their protective gear on and they're doing their thing they're synchronized stomping up the steps and everything to the music and i'm just immediately sold on these guys where i'm like give me a film franchise and yeah that's the that's the crazy thing because after you learn a little bit about the hyenas you learn that they're like famous in in the in the area and that they're regarded as heroes and they even mention some of the other things that they've done in the past yeah and you're just like those movies okay yeah i want to see that because these guys these mercenaries are just fucking just completely badass yeah oh yeah the other thing that it kind of bummed me out just a touch is that the, the opening sequence of this is just so high energy and so great that it kind of dips down and you don't really get that again until t- towards the end. So that was a little bit of a disappointment because I think that they really excelled, especially with the like mm. the camera work during oh yeah during the as even though the action sequences aren't as robust as maybe as I, I'd like them to be, but they're mm. choreographed. Mm really well i thought it was interesting that they could like actually fight and kill the entities like because it doesn't seem like the type of thing that you'd be able to kill or or or, or not like kill in a traditional sense like they're they're like yeah they're, they're like chopping them up with like knives and and uh meat cleavers and stuff and it just doesn't seem like you'd be able to do that to those things but hey it works. There is also, like you said at the beginning, there is a revenge angle to this story as well. Something that I don't want to get too deep into for fear of spoilers, but adds another layer to the to the story. And yeah, I I understand like that that whole the whole concept, like you said, where revenge typically doesn't lead to good places but even still i didn't i wasn't a fan of how this movie ended and i I thought that it was a little bit of a bummer how they ended things off and what happens because it i'm trying to to word it in such a way that it, it doesn't reveal anything but i i just didn't find it to be satisfying it it almost felt like the bad guys won to me and yeah. i just wasn't a fan of that i think because i had a pretty strong attachment 
to these characters. And even aside from the mercenaries, like the <laughs> other characters in that little village, I also yeah. like wanted to see everybody make it through this. Yeah, which I think is is a positive in its own way. Mm. You know, to get you that invested in these individuals. That even though things don't work out the way that you, you wanted them to, that you were so invested in them that, you know, that it bummed you out so much. Yeah. Even still, even though I wasn't a, a big fan of, of how it ended, I, I feel like it just kind of ended on a whimper rather than a, than a bang, you know? But, but yeah. even still, that didn't really bring the movie down for me at all. Like, I wouldn't dock it points or anything i don't think uh because everything that that leads up to that is just still so good and i would i would love to see more with these characters like i i just i want to see more in this world i just want to see more movies like this Uh, i mean i i I certainly hope that this director is working on oh wow i just looked and he has a movie called zero that's coming out and it's Two Americans end up in Dakar, Senegal, with bombs strapped to their chests in 10 hours to find out why. So, that sounds... I mean, I'm into that. He also has a movie coming out called Interstate, which is a supernatural thriller in which a hitman facing an existential crisis decides to exit the game and leave town with a woman he loves, but his plans are disrupted by a mysterious young man and his ruthless former boss. Well, that one stars Ozzy no, Argento. No. So yeah, he's got some stuff coming out. He's he's working on stuff, but what I'd really like to see is some kind of prequel to Saloon. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely take a bunch of this. Like every every job that was discussed, you know, every bullet point, like in the history of the hyenas, you can give me those movies. I'll, I'll I would say them. that also like additional. Like in addition to the the great camera work, the great cinematography in this, the the writing was also quite good. Like I really liked the script. It was snappy. It was clever. I loved the banter between the hyenas. Mm-hmm. Like they were funny. There was there there was a decent amount of humor in this, and uh, it just added to that kind of you know great great tone i feel like the script really complemented the 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 cinematography vice versa it just had this great style overall yeah no this is definitely this is definitely like perhaps one of the biggest surprises of this year for me well you know going into it 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 seemed pretty promising it seemed like it might be a good time but really came away with this being one of my favorites of the year so far yeah i was afraid that it was gonna be I thought it was going to be a little too dry, but I was completely wrong about that. It, it's definitely not. No, it's, it's, it's great. Got a, it's got a great energy to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So highly recommend Saloon. Let's go ahead and give it a score. I'm pretty high on this one. I'm at like, man, I might be at like an eight on this. I think that's where I am, too. It's just it's great. Um, I think it is probably one of the biggest surprises for me this year. One of the, and, and probably one of the most enjoyable movies I've seen so far this year. So it'll, it'll definitely be up 
up there on my list. I don't know if it's going to crack that top 10 or not, but definitely worth checking out. And props to Shudder. Their output is increasing in quantity and quality, I would say. So, I mean, at this point, I think I watch Shudder way more than I watch Netflix. Netflix is dropping off for me. Oh, yeah. Netflix has become trash, really. Let's be honest. It it really has. I mean, everything everything has been a disappointment with them recently, except for a few things here and there, the cyberpunk show, but like movie wise. Yeah. Even that even a lot of the shows that they had, I, I just am not able to continue watching. Alright, so that's Saloon. Again, check it out on Shudder. Uh or I think I think if you have AMC Plus, I think that you get all the Shutter stuff. So either one. Okay. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching. I think it's your turn this week, Kevin. Oh, okay. Uh, the first one I'll talk about is Horror in the High Desert. Directed by Dutch Marriage from 2021. This is one of those uh, made in quarantine mm-hmm. little movies. So an ex- experience disappears in a remote region. Of uh, of Nevada, right? So this is kind of like a found footage slash documentary, faux documentary style. Uh, most of it is just nothing but isolated uh, talking head interviews, that type of thing. Feels very much like a uh, TV episode, more so than a film. Just an extended, you know, TV episode, given the uh, given the budget and uh, you know the way that you're set up is you know that these guys are going to try and waste as much time as possible. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, that's the structure to this, is that it's going to be a lot of just, like, you know, talking head interviews and then a little bit of scary stuff at the end. And that's exactly what it is, is much of the runtime, if not all of it, consists of people just beating around the bush, like, giving you little tidbits of the story. But not, but it, and none of it's really that compelling. You know, they're just talking about stuff that's not, you know, not pertinent information. Just padding the runtime essentially until it's spooky time, and then, thank God, at a certain point, it's spooky time. And the spooky time is pretty good. Like you know, it's the old you know handheld found footage uh shot with like the infrared nighttime camera type deal mm-hmm. and all that stuff is great right but it's just a fact of the matter is that 98% of this movie is something that you wouldn't you don't want to watch all right well i'll probably skip that one then horror in the high desert speaking of uh quarantine movies i saw he's watching and this was uh, this was a quarantine movie, found footage, mm. sort of. It's found footage, but at the same time, it's not at all. Like, it's sort of presented as found footage. And in fact, there's even like these little cutaways, like title cards that come up and say like, much of the next 36 hours was not recorded and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like, there's camera angles and shit that like, completely negate the whole found footage formula like there's no like it you know sometimes you can criticize found footage movies for being like completely illogical as far as like how they got that you know 
like who's editing this and like how did they get that shot how did they how could we nobody's mic'd up so how did we hear that you know just just different things like that like small technical things but this one is like so egregious as far as sticking to the formula that it's anybody who's like a stickler for found footage will be very frustrated with how this is uh, presented. Uh, it's, it's directed by Jacob Aaron Estes and it stars his family, his two kids. So it seems like one of these deals where maybe he was in quarantine with his family and they wanted to do something while they were locked up. So they decided to make this movie and apparently like his kids had some input with like creating it and stuff. Uh, what it is is um about these two kids their parents end up going to the hospital from some sort of illness turns out it's like kind of the pandemic and um they discover that there's like some some person some some entity that's kind of watching them and like sending them videos and stuff like that and the thing that makes this a little bit different is it's a it's kind of like an art house uh horror film where it mixed in between with like the found footage stuff is just this kind of weird surreal imagery and none of it works at all. I just could not stand anything in this. Like I didn't find it to be scary. Uh, it was so boring to me. <laughs> I just hated every moment of this movie and I can't recommend it at all. So sorry, but wow. I hate it. He's watching. Yeah, it looks bad, and it's surprising to see that like he's an actual director. Yeah, he did that movie. Uh, what's the one? Uh, Don't let go. That's mean what I was Creek. thinking of. He did. He did. Don't yeah. let go. What? And he did Mean Creek. And the details, Toby McGuire. I'm not familiar with the details, but I did see the other two. I didn't like Don't Let Go. By the way, I loved Mean Creek back in the day. I don't know if I'd. I don't know how I'd feel about it now, but well, I watched Tourist Trap 1979. Oh my god. David Schomer. Oh, buddy. Uncut Virgin. Tubi. Tubi's got the uncut. So you got some young travelers that get stranded and the mysterious Mr. Slauson helps them alongside his uh his uh his collection of mannequins. Mm-hmm. He's got some mannequins yeah. there. That's part of his thing he's got a whole compound he's got a house he's got a museum he's got a hot spring waterfall all sorts of stuff but then that new highway came in and fuck it fucked him over now he's got nothing except his mannequins that he can control with telekinesis i guess never really get an explanation of what's happening which is something that i appreciate with this movie is that we just it's just presented it's not really, we're not trying to make sense of this. We're just going to present things, and it's going to be a wild time. It's going to be ridiculous, and it's going to be enjoyable, okay? That's what it is. Disappointing, and I don't know how the uncut version differs from the, the theatrical version, but there's the opening kill. Uh, he also has a gas station, I guess, which he owns. Or I guess he just inherited it because he killed everyone. And... A guy goes there to get some gas. He walks into a room. Mannequins pop up. They're doing mannequin stuff. It's just mostly shaking mm-hmm. and jiggling and laughing. Creating a whole bunch of, just a bunch of ruckus. Just a ruckus. 
with all these goddamn mannequins smashing through windows and whatnot. Guy's trying to get out, can't get out. Stuff starts flying out of this cabinet, and he ends up getting like a like a rod in his back. Blood coming out of it. And that's what ends up killing him. And there's just something about the just the 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 cacophony and the ruckus of that the of everything. It's just absolutely terrifying that this is how you're introduced. And then that guy dies. And it's just a very quiet, like, camera pan through the room. Off camera, you can hear the killer just kind of, like, mumbling to himself, like, as he's cleaning up. It's just, like, the the wind coming through the windows and billowing the curtains and everything. It's just, it really pointed, to me, it pointed to something where it was like, oh, shit, this is going to be special. This is going to be, like, something else. Where you have just this complete insanity followed up by these, like, quiet moments. But unfortunately, that 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 does that's not sustained through the rest of the movie. It's still enjoyable. It's still a great time because it's so goddamn ridiculous. But that early, that first initial kill just showed me a glimpse of like this movie could have been just like absolutely incredible. But it just didn't stick to it. Yeah, still good. Yeah, but. Just could have been something else. Uh, yeah, I liked this movie quite a bit. I, I was kind of surprised. I saw this not too long ago, actually. It wasn't too long ago that I saw this, and, and I actually thought it was pretty scary. Like, it, I thought it was pretty effective. So, yeah, no, it's it's fucked up. It is, it's disturbing. PG, rated PG. That's fucking insane. <laughs> Isn't that Just weird? I mean, I, I understand it's before the PG-13 rating, but still. You'd think that they would go with the R instead. You would think, but they are like, nah. You know what? This is this is okay for kids. Yeah, yeah, kids can see this. Yeah, and which is like, there's not really blood outside of like the initial kill. There's like a a trickle. Yeah. So yeah, there's not blood. There's a lot of like very disturbing imagery. I think it's just another reason that the MPAA is useless. Yeah, they just, they didn't care. They are like, no one's going to watch this <laughs> shit anyways. Yeah. All right, that's Taurus Trap. Definitely check that out. Free on Tubi, it's on Shudder, it's free on Voodoo, it's on Peacock. Oh my yeah, goodness. You can check it out pretty much anywhere. Uh, I saw, speaking of Shudder, I saw Speak No Evil. This is directed by Christian Tafdrup. And it came out on Shudder this, this weekend, this past weekend. It's about a Danish family who ends up, they're on vacation, they, and they end up meeting up with this Dutch family, and they kind of they hit it off, and they sort of become friends, and then they, they go their separate ways, and then they get a, a letter from, from the Dutch family saying like, hey, you know, uh, we were just thinking about the, the great time we had on holiday, and we were wondering if you'd be interested in like coming to our place, spending the weekend at our place hanging out, having a good time. And they're like, yeah, you know, we had a, we had a good time. So let's, let's just do it. So they go and like right off the bat, when this family goes to this other family's house, like you, you know that there's something very off about what's going on here. Their, their, their personalities have changed a little bit and it almost seems like they're not being genuinely nice that they're like faking it. And everything from that point seems to be a little bit off. 
And then as the hours and days progress, things get much darker until some kind of evil truths are surfaced. And uh, it's, it's a slow burn thriller. So a lot of it is just build up. And one of the things that I liked about this was that they play this like really oppressive, suspenseful music even during scenes where nothing is happening, like they'll play this like crazy tense music when it's just them hanging out at a park and it, it, this doing it, doing that does a really good job of amplifying the, the tension, like, because you just know that something is about to happen, but you never know really when or what's going to happen, what's going on with this family. You know that they're not really telling the truth, but you're also not sure like what the hell their their goal is here, like what their game is. But when it all hap- does happen and you do learn what their their motivations are and everything, it's pretty brutal. And it, the way the 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 climax of this movie is very disturbing and kind of shocking. So I can definitely recommend Speak No Evil. It's got great cinematography. The The score is really good, too, like I said. Uh, and where it goes is is pretty horrifying. So if you're looking for a good slow burn thriller that packs a big punch at the end then uh, i would definitely recommend checking it out nice i'm gonna have to check yeah i like this one quite a bit another one that i watched on tubi quickly becoming my favorite streaming service gotta say my mom was on this something the gate from 1987 stephen dwarf and his buddy little 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 oh yeah oh he's little he's just a little Little dwarf just a little tiny kid. Him and his buddy accidentally open a gate to hell by cracking open a geode. This fucking geodes. Fucking geodes. Hell yeah, geodes. There was a, it just sidebar, there was a rich guy that my mom used to be like the, you know, like the housekeeper for. And he had a whole shelf of geodes. Mm-hmm. Just like that, you know, on display and stuff. Oh God. Oh man. Little me love yeah. that shit. Cause we would house sit because he was always he was always traveling, so I got to live in a mansion mm-hmm. and just check out his geodes. Good times. Uh, this movie is this is pretty damn good. This just has like the right feel of sometimes of what you want in a horror movie, where it kind of has that uh, you know when you're dealing with kids. I always love a good horror movie with kids trying to tackle whatever evil is in the world. That's always a good time. Um, There's just, this movie has a ton of really impressive practical effects for the time period. And the other weird thing though, is that it also has some really poor practical effects. And it's interesting to see what are really good Mm -hmm. and what's poor. Like the stuff that's really good is super impressive because you're just like, wow, the scale of this. It's just incredible. I'm thinking of like the hell tornado that comes out of the gate to hell up into the heavens. Looks incredible. 
probably the worst practical effect of this movie is just a simple scene of an uh, influx of moths coming into a bedroom. Where you're just like, wow, that looks absolutely fucking terrible. You couldn't just release like a ton of moths. <laughs> you don't have a moth wrangler or something. So it's just it's very bizarre of like what what looks really good and what doesn't look good. Because it's usually the simple stuff that doesn't look good. Uh, the other thing that kind of surprised me about this is that it kind of takes a while to get to like the Hellgate stuff. It's just more of like him and his buddy hanging out. And just everything kind of coming, you know, all the dominoes falling into place for the for the Hellgate. But man, once Hellgate opens and the demons are let loose, this thing just it keeps going. It puts the foot on the gas and just keeps going until the end. It's got a great intensity to it, uh, and there's just some truly great, like uh, kind of like nightmarish fantasy dream imagery type stuff especially like the opening sequence of this movie where he's having this like nightmare little steven dwarfist and just the look of it it's just a great atmosphere to it just a great october horror movie yeah i love the gate i think it's i think it's great if you're into like that kind of 80s yes Amblin, Stephen King style, like it's definitely man, it's definitely got that, fits that. It's bill. got that feel to it. It's just so comforting in a horror movie. Um, uh, all right, the last one that I'll mention is called Confess Fletch. It's directed by Greg Matola. This was a. I didn't even. I wasn't really even aware that this was a thing. Yeah, I wasn't either. Like I knew that they were working on a, a a new Fletch sequel for like like a long time, but I didn't really know the details. And I just found out about Confess Fletch like I don't know a couple weeks ago or something. So this was like a bit of a surprise drop, and I didn't really know anything about it. Um, and I liked it. It was it's it's pretty good. It definitely so if you're a fan of the original Fletch movies. With Chevy Chase, Fletch and Fletch Lives, I think that you will enjoy this because it it very, very much has the same DNA in it. The writing is very similar, where uh, in this, John Hamm plays Fletch, and he has that same kind of wit to him, that like that same charisma, where he's definitely a wordsmith and his little one off one liners and and just random things that he says are they're great. I mean, they're definitely a highlight of the original movies and they're the highlight here too. I never found the Fletch movies, the original ones to be like laugh out loud funny. Mm-hmm. I like them. And I think that that both of them have their moments. They're like specific scenes. And the interesting thing about Fletch is it, that it's almost like a series of interconnected, uh, like almost set pieces between Fletch and another character. Like a lot of it is just like him going to this place and having a goofy conversation with this goofy person and then doing it again in another spot. And that's how this is structured too. So it's it's very similar where John Ham's Fletch goes to this one place, has a wacky conversation with a wacky character, and then 
he learns a little bit of information about, you know, the case that he's working and then goes to another spot and does the same thing. It's a formula that, that I think works with the right characters and the right script. And in this case, I think that it does work. Uh, it's, it's not hilarious by any means, but it's also very entertaining. And the, the plot, the narrative here is also, it definitely keeps you engaged because what you have here is that, that Fletch, um, is he's away in Italy. He comes to, uh, Boston and is staying at this uh, person's house. And when he arrives, there's a dead body in the house and he gets framed for the murder. And mm. so the movie is basically, it's sort of him trying to solve two cases. One is he's trying to clear himself of this murder and he's trying to help his, he, he was hired by this, this, um, this wealthy uh, Italian guy to uh, recover these stolen paintings. And he ends up falling in love with this guy's daughter. So he's trying to help her and her dad recover these, these paintings also. But of course he quickly figures out that the, the, the two, the two crimes are connected. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I would give it a light recommend. It's on VOD. Check it out if you're looking for a decent comedy. Yeah, it seems like one of those that once it hits streaming, you know, it's the, since the, the dearth of comedies. Yeah. Definitely check it out yeah. when it hits streaming. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Uh, the big one is Don't Worry, Darling. This is the one that has all the, all, all the drama behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you uh, interested in this one? Uh, not really. I mean, it's it's one of those I'll check out when it comes to streaming, probably. Yeah, I'm not in, in a hurry to see this in theaters or anything, but I usually like uh, movies that involve, like, creepy uh, towns, you know, like uh, Stepford-esque yep. towns, and it takes place in the 50s, so I like that, so... Yeah, that's uh so that's really the only one that I see coming out uh on VOD this week. We have on the 20th, we have 223 Wick. Uh looks like maybe a thriller. We have To the Moon, that is also on the 20th. And this is a is it a, looks like a horror movie. Young couple finds their weekend retreat becoming a, a hallucinatory nightmare. Oh, no. Look out. On the 21st, we have Escape from Kabul. That's going to be on HBO. That's a documentary. We got the Perfume Air. Perfume Air. Sure. That's going to be on Netflix. On the 22nd, we have Raven's Hollow coming to Shudder. On the 23rd, we have Sydney. That's going to be on Apple TV+. Plus. That's the documentary about Sidney Poitier. We've got The Swearing Jar. Looks like some kind of drama. We've got Carmen. We've got Dig. That's going to be a, a thriller with Thomas Jane and Emile Hirsch. We have The Infernal Machine with Guy Pierce. 
That's a psychological thriller about of obsession and deceit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Also on the 23rd, we have Athena, on, and that's going to be on Netflix. We have... What is Athena about? There are good things about this one. Hours after the tragic death of their youngest brother in unexplained circumstances, three siblings have their lives thrown into chaos. Ramon Gravis. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on the 23rd, we have On the Come Up. That's going to be on Paramount+. Plus. Got Bandit. I think that's... Is that a Mel Gibson? Yeah, that's a Mel Gibson. Josh DeMille. You said Josh DeMille? Josh DeMille. No, it can't be. I feel like we haven't seen can't him be. in anything for quite a while. Yeah. Josh DeMille, Alicia Cuthbert, and Mel Gibson. He's out of town. Hmm. There we go. We also have Blank. We've got The Enforcer. That's starring Antonio Banderas. That looks like that's about it for VOD. Very robust VOD lineup. But not a whole lot that I'm interested in. Now, the only thing I can say is Athena. Yeah. That'd be the only one. I mean, I'll probably check out that Shutter one, but I don't, I'm not like excited for it or anything. Uh, pretty much on blu-ray this week got a couple 4k releases here including poltergeist the lost boys it's a really cool Mm -hmm. cover for the lost boys by the way we got crawl coming out and uh oh there's an alternate cover there's like two different covers on this lost boys release and both of them are quite good uh let's see what else we have Ace High from 1968. Um, got In the Folds of Flesh from 1970. Old Henry. That was from last year. Uh, yep. Don't Don't Deliver Us from Evil from 1971. Don't we like it? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. We have A Haunted Turkish Bathhouse from 1975. You say A Haunted Turkish Haunted Turkish bathhouse. That is correct. That is very specific. Yeah. We have House of Terrors from 1965. These are all, it looks like these are all part of the same collection, the Mondo Macabro collection. Okay. A sly gangster hatches a plot against his own wife who works at a brothel cum bathhouse with the help of the bathhouse owner's wife. Oh, no. A haunted Turkish bathhouse. Hmm. All right. Well, you know, that's going on my list. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Vengeance from earlier this year. We have uh, everything you always wanted to know about sex, but were afraid to ask. 1972. Uh, mercenary fighters from 1988. Mercenary fighters. Um, the reef stalked from earlier this year. That one was the crap one. Wrong place from earlier this year. Yeah, it's pretty much it. Whole ton of anime as usual. What about Criterion's this week? Oh, okay. We got two. We got Clouseau's uh, Le Corbeau, which is a really good movie from 1943. Getting a new 4K. So I recommend that one. And then Exotica from Adam 
from 1994. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. They're both interesting uh, choices there. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be great. For Kevin Rickstraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.